Welcome back to Foster.Minnesota's Let's Talk, a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Chris, and I'm an education coordinator at Foster.Minnesota. And I'm Sunny, also an education coordinator here at FAM. Well, hey, Sunny. We are recording just after the start of the new year, and I was looking at year-end facts and stats for Let's Talk. Did you know we have listeners worldwide? Yes! We, I can't believe it. I am so thankful and humbled. We have listeners in 47 countries. And so the top five are the United States, Germany, Singapore, the United Kingdom, Belgium. And then we even have listeners in the United Arab Emirates. I just can't wrap my mind around, you know, a small little nonprofit being listened to worldwide. So that's pretty cool. So grateful. So thankful for our listeners. Yeah. Thanks to all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. So we've also had listeners in 48 states. The two that are missing are Idaho and Wyoming, hoping to capture their attention sometime soon. But we have time. So anyways, Chris, what are we talking about today? Well, Hello to everyone listening, and, you know, we continue to have amazing guests and always look forward to hearing from them. For this episode, we are having a conversation to authentically support BIPOC families. BIPOC, again, is Black, Indigenous, and people of color, and we are having this important conversation to honor Black History Month. Please welcome our guests, Tatiana Burgum and Tatiana Kirk. Could you each tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do? Ms. Kirk, let's start with you. I'm here. Okay, uh, my name is Tatiana Kirk and I live in Duluth, Minnesota with my dog, Lila. Um, and I like to read and travel and my dog and I like to be outdoors as much as possible. Um, and I didn't imagine myself staying here in Duluth, but it grew on me. And so I'm here for a while. That um, seems to be a theme for us in Duluth. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that 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 particular phrase it grew on me so now I'm here uh quite a bit so so here I am also in the same position uh, and Miss Burgum how about you yeah so I'm also in the Duluth area I have uh two kiddos two little girls and um me and my husband have been here. We grew up in the area, so we're from from around here. Um, and then I've worked just like doing nonprofit work and ended up in the anti-trafficking space about five years ago. So I've been doing that um, really for the past, well, probably going on six years now. And then most recently had the opportunity to come over to Divine Connections, which is where uh, Tati is the program manager and then I'm the outreach manager and um then Deanna Kirk is our founder and executive director so um we're the dream team right now and it's been really good to be here well it's an honor and it's not too often to have two Tatiana's as as our guests so it's going to be great so thanks for joining us so let's just get to it So Ms. Burgum, you have extensive experience, as you mentioned, working in the human trafficking field. Why are BIPOC specifically youth at a higher risk of being trafficked? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, first of all, I just want to kind of demythify, I think, some things around that because a lot of times when we're looking at just like any type of um, quote unquote marginalized population, we really put something before the person, whether it's like a person of color, um, someone who's unhoused, but we really, and we put that, that statistic, we put that label and we really forget to like, look at the person in front of us. And so we know like based on data that, you know, specifically women of color are definitely in the higher numbers of experiencing uh, trafficking and exploitation and things like that. But what we're actually trying to focus on those of us who are working in the field is like, it isn't because they are people of color. It is because of the things that happen, the the system that places like uh, oppression and things like that on those who are those of us who are of color. But it's not because we are people of color. So I just want to say that because I think that those they're separate things, and we can sometimes like really go down this path of like. Um, you know, using these in the wrong way. And so I just want to state that. But yes, definitely um, women of color and also we're finding uh, men as well are definitely um, experiencing like sexual violence at much higher rates. Um, and a lot of that, especially in Duluth, we work with a lot of American Indian populations and there's reservations all around us. And so there's just higher rates of violence that are happening on those reservations. Um, and also it can go into like the systems that are like su- supposed to be supporting them. Like we just don't find that people are answering the call when it comes through. People aren't really um, doing like our systems, our law enforcement, things like that aren't doing the things that um, need to be done to really protect these women and children. Um and there's just different laws as well on reservation land as well, which really plays a factor into protecting these women. Right. And I think that's important to note too, that um, sometimes people typically think trafficking happens in cities and larger metro areas. So just so people are aware that it does happen in smaller rural communities as well. Okay. So that's an important distinction. Thank you so much. Uh, Ms. Kirk, please tell us about your work at Divine Connections and about the projects you focus on to help improve the lives of others. Yes, of course. Um, I am the program manager at Divine Connections, and we are, Divine Connections is a permanent supportive housing for homeless BIPOC mothers and children in Duluth. Um, So we work with young mothers and their babies who are or who have experienced homelessness. Um, We also work with young mothers who are, working on reunification with their babies and with their families. Um, we start, you know, like at the very bottom and we make sure that they have the necessities that they need to have a decent day. Um, you know, like starting with your good sleep, good, nice pillows and good sheets and a clean space and a happy space, a space that smells good when you walk into it, a space that feels good when you come home that's relaxing and um, an environment that you walk into and you're like, oh, this is this is different from what I've experienced before. Um, this is in a way better 
for my mental health. Um, and we, we do also work on that mental health piece um, with the moms. We, we offer, um, we like to say wraparound services. So we start with the mental health and we do the basic necessities. Um, and then we also make sure that their physical health as well too, and that they are doing things that they actually wanna do in the community. So setting goals for these women um, that they wanna actually achieve, whether it's going back to school or getting their GED, um, getting a car, getting a job, whatever it is, you know, we connect them with what it is that they need. So we'll go to the college with them, we'll sit down with an advisor with them and um, talk through their options and, you know, like just give them all the options of what they could be doing and not just some of the options because we're putting that homeless piece in front of the person again. Um, we want to make sure that we're at Divine Connections, we look at the mom as a person because she is a young mom, but she's also a young woman. And she's still trying to figure out, you know, like what it is she actually wants to do or what it is that she wants for her baby and what it is that she wants for the future for herself. Um, so we offer those wraparound services. We offer mental health on site. We offer um, mindfulness classes on site. We do parenting group as well on site. We we try to bring everything on site, so you, so it's not um, a feeling of oh I have to go out and do this on top of all the appointments that I have to go out and do. Like you don't have to go out and do it if you don't want to. We'll bring it all to you and make it easier so that you have your childcare on site and then you have your your group on site so then your child and your group are both in the same place and you don't have to worry about what's going on with baby you could run upstairs and check on them um thanks for all of that the, that's a lot of services all in one place so that's very important um i'm just curious at the beginning you said you start at the bottom can you explain what you mean by that yeah so um we start with kind of like um a, a bottom-up approach and we kind of focus on making sure that the women feel safe and that they know that they're safe because once you know you're safe and once you feel that feeling of of okay I can take a deep breath that's where the healing begins and that's where we start to make those connections and and um those longer lasting deeper connections with the moms um being able to have those those connections building up, being able to have those hard conversations. Um, so like the mental health piece, um, we give them this environment that we give them their room to create their own environment in their own space um, to however it is that they feel is best for them. Um, and we come alongside them and we create goals with them. Um, we make sure, like I said, that their mental health is good. If it's not good, we, we get a therapist, we connect them with a therapist or a mental health specialist that can get them connected with the therapist. Um, we encourage a lot of self-care here. Um, I feel like self-care is the best care. So, uh, I always have like face masks and we've done spa days, um, 
I'll babysit for a little bit so mom can take a shower. Um, it's really the small things it, like encouraging self-care and taking baby for a second so mom can have a second to breathe um, that creates that connection and that, that feeling of safeness where they can really um, let go, not let go, but like open up to us to accept help, you know, because we can offer all the help that we want and all the resources and all the materials and all the connections, but nobody, it, they aren't going to, nobody's going to accept the help if they're not ready to accept the help, if they're not ready for the help, if they're not um, ready to start dealing with the trauma that they've gone through start going through um, therapy and mental health, uh, bettering their mental health for themselves and for their babies. Um, if you're not, if you're not ready, you're not ready and that's okay. Um, we try to get you there. We try to uh, encourage you to be in a space, you know, where you're ready to, to work on you and to better yourself, to, to create a new you for your new chapter in life that you're getting ready to start. Mm, so important. Very poignant. Thank you for those. I know. And um, I think it's, you know, just listening to you talk about the support that you provide, that's exactly what, you know, what you would think of your typical mom and baby has a solid support system with friends and family that that's lacking in their everyday lives. So thanks for sharing. And for all that you do. Goodness. Yeah. Okay. So can you help us understand some ways that people can better understand the experiences of people of color and maybe how to listen with intention and respect? Yeah, I can, I can start off. I will say, I think like, as I have been with in divine connections, like I just, um, like Diana and Tati are like really like the cream of the crop when it comes to communicating with these young women that come through the house. Like they really just like understand how to see them as human beings and not see them as just another statistic coming through like their organization. And so I am learning from them because it's also like within nonprofit space like let's just be honest it's not super i mean we we come in it with a big heart but like at the end of the day we have to look at our grants we have to look at the funding we there's things we have to track and we have to have you know rules in the house all these things and so it can be very easy to start to look and communicate that that those things like to the person you are seeing day in and day out you know some of these young these young people, the moms, whoever it is. And so I really, um, I will say like, I think one thing uh, that has been just really beautiful for me to watch is to see how Diana and Tati take the time to really listen. And so I feel like I have had to take a step back in my own approach to the way I've done the work and really had to do some self-evaluation. And so I can let Tati talk more to how to her approach and the way that she does it. But I just have to say that, like, really, when I watch Diana and Tati, it's like, if everyone could be like that in housing, 
like we would have like the most amazing system in the world. Like it just is awesome. So yeah. And I think there's other other people (laughs) out there like that as well. I just don't know who they are. (laughs) I'm just going to paste that I work with these two, but really I do think that we just need more of that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel so good. (laughs) Um, I think that listening with intention means that you have to hold space for this person and you really have to um, take a step back from whatever it is you have going on, whatever preconceived thoughts you have in your head about the situation. Maybe you like, you already know this part of the situation and you're kind of getting the whole story or you're just listening to an acquaintance or somebody vent to you, but to hold space for somebody and their story, uh, to take a step back and to create a space where they feel welcome and, um, where you can project enough of your feelings to make them feel like you care, not necessarily make them feel, but like show that you care. And I was going to say too, I think like with when, like I can only speak from my own experience as a person of color, but I do think that um, to hear others like talk about their own struggles, like to hear other like, for me, for example, uh, like other like Latinx women share like that they've also experienced some of these things as they were my age or as they grew, you know, into their own that like, just so you don't feel alone, because especially when you're in a space that is majority white, which Minnesota, at least least Minnesota is, um, when you can see another woman, like, especially like younger, like, Tati is uh, definitely like someone in like that the moms watch like they look up to her they want to see how she's reacting to things they want to see like what her experiences are how she responds to things and so I feel like so much of working within uh, this house specifically you know your question was around the BIPOC piece of it is to see yourself in others and that is truly like I think one of the biggest pieces. Ah, I love that. Seeing seeing yourself in others. And the only way to get there is to listen. Brilliant. You are brilliant. All right. So you're correct. The majority of Minnesota is 76% white. So our question for you is what are a few tips for those wanting to be more inclusive? To become more inclusive. To <laughs> the BIPOC people in oh. the BIPOC community. Yep. <laughs> Done. <laughs> to invite the BIPOC people into the spaces that are majority white. To, to invite those people into, to invite people, um, like I said, into those spaces and to have those conversations that you're having with the majority of the white population to have those conversations with the BIPOC population to have those conversations together. So it's not two different conversations of talking Mm -hmm. to the white community and the BIPOC community, but one whole conversation as bringing the community together and being inclusive, including the 
white population and the BIPOC population together. Yeah, simple, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it does make sense, doesn't it? <laughs> well, my next question kind of goes along with that. So we hear the phrase, get comfortable being uncomfortable, which is never easy, but doing so can help evoke real change. So what do you see as a first step for someone wanting to make a real change? I think it's admitting like your own bias. I think that's it for any of us, regardless of what the issue is, is like being able to look in the mirror and say like, I, this is where I have issue with X, Y, and Z. This is like really taking that deep look at yourself, I think is like one of the most crucial roles. And I think, um, yeah. That I think for, for me, as I see it, that's like one of the very first steps is to be able to look at yourself and your own biases, why you have them. Because I think it's very often that biases are based on like really valid reasons sometimes, whether that's trauma or, um, you know, things that actually did happen to you that are real situations. We have biases through those things, but being able to at least connect the dots and then start there. I think uh, another big step would be to educate yourself in the things that you feel strongly about, whether it's like the BIPOC moms and the law against taking their babies away. Educate yourself in in that law of getting uh, getting to know the laws better and around BIPOC women having their babies taken away or women in general having their babies taken away and educate yourself, learn where you can um, step up for that that community that's lacking representatives and be the voice for that community after you've educated yourself and after you listen to the community that you, that you are willing to support, speak up and be ready to listen. Great. And you both in your work um, are showing up in, a, in an authentic way and supporting wraparound services, you know, in your day-to-day -day jobs. So how can our listeners show up in an authentic way? Um, I think this one kind of starts with a little bit of stepping outside of your comfort zone for people who are um, ready to be uncomfortable. Um, that's where the change happens is when you get uncomfortable, the change happens within yourself as well as around you. That's so good. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, when I think about what Tati said, that feels so accurate. Like being able to go outside of your comfort zone a little bit doesn't have to be like, you know, all in. It's just is like, just start, just start in any way that you can um, to really look around you, look within you and move forward. Cause I think a lot of times too, like we, especially over the past like five years, three years, we've all gotten really used to maybe looking inward, but we still haven't taken that step into change. And so being able to do that is crucial. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for those tips and suggestions. Um, are there any resources you would like to share as we wrap up? And I know, um, you know, being in rural Minnesota, I mean, Duluth is a little bit larger than some other areas, but it's maybe hard for people to connect and find ways to make a change. So what advice do you have for them? I think that like 
wherever you are, I think every county has like a sexual violence agency. Um, I would say just look at what you have around you. I think um, the sexual violence sexual violence agencies are always a good place to start because even real rural communities have those. Um, you know, in Duluth, we have. I will say, I do feel like Duluth is just a little different, and we have like built such solid foundation of um, like wraparound services as a community. Like, there's multiple nonprofits and agencies that we all kind of pool together as we can. Um, but I would say, like, for us, Tati, I guess, like, what would you say is like one of our main resources? Family Rise Together, probably. Yeah, so in Duluth, we have an amazing, amazing um, partnering agency called Family Rise Together. And the exec executive director, founder of Family Rise is Shaquana McIntyre, who um, has done a lot of work in the Duluth community. Um, but she specifically serves um, men and who are also like trying to get custody. I feel like I may be saying this wrong of their children, but also focused on housing. And so we, and then they also have a mental health, like armed services, therapy. Um, and it, again, specific to those who are BIPOC. And so um, I think also just like partnering with, if you can find an organization, like who works with BIPOC families, like go there. But yeah, Todd, Todd, you can correct me if I got that wrong on what Family Rise Together focuses on. No, yeah, um, I believe Family Rise Together focuses on the men's side of, of kind of like what we do. Um, so they work on reunification with the dads. They also work on uh, housing and the goals. They go alongside them. They're pretty much the same thing as we do, but for dads and for, for men uh, in that situation. Um, yeah. So if people are working with um, or know of someone that's struggling with maybe housing or resources or something, did, can they make the referral or does the person actually have to make the phone call themselves? Um, I believe that they can make a referral for some places um, like ours, you would have to specifically fill out like a pre-application type thing on our website. Um, everywhere is kind of a little bit different. Um, we also do, uh, or I've heard of people doing referrals like just by word of mouth and reaching out uh, to that person. Um, sometimes people who are experiencing homelessness don't always have access to the internet and to their phones or to a phone in general. And so um, just telling people what's out there, um, where they can find it, where they can physically go to find something would be um, a good tool to have. Yeah. And then our website is divineconnections.org. And we get a lot of self-referrals. We get a lot of, like a lot of county workers who reach out and refer. Um, but we do have a wait list right now for anyone who is listening and maybe needing housing. Um, I would definitely suggest suggest calling the coordinated entry um, for your county as well. And are there other 
agencies or organi organizations statewide that are similar to yours that you know of? And you don't have to name them all, but maybe that they could just start in their community. You know, I don't know of any specific like BIPOC organization for housing. Like, okay. I think what Deanna and like, you know, all of us are trying to do is really the first of its kind in they definitely in Duluth, but also um, to my knowledge across Minnesota. But if you hear differently, please let me know because I'm always curious what others are, are doing. Certainly. And that's divine connections with a K, not a C. Yes, yes, yes. I should have. Yes, that's always gets me. <laughs> okay. Divine connections with a K dot work. Okay. Well, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you both so much. We Thank you for having us. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, thank you both. It's good to have this was awesome. us. <laughs> thank you for having us. <laughs> yes, thank you. And good luck on this continuation of this podcast. I can't believe you all are going like international <laughs> level. That's awesome. Wide, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it just speaks to what you all do because i do think there is such a desire for like foster families to have knowledge and to hear other professionals and other like people like who have gone through the system like people really need that in a way that they can digest versus just sitting in a classroom too mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i think what you all are doing is really amazing thank well, you thank you so much thanks for joining us yeah thanks guys and I want to let our audience know that Foster.Minnesota has a program called HELP that offers a warm line to resources for adoptive foster and kinship families, including a network of adoption-competent, trauma-informed therapists statewide. Go to our website, fosteradoptmn.org, and click on HELP. Thank you so much for joining us today for Let's Talk. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to our podcast, and tune in again soon.